So good to see you here this morning. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus and all that's done. And uh, I want you, if you would, to open with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Just hold it there for a moment, if you would. You know, we had a wonderful, if you don't come to Sunday school, I encourage you to do so. Uh, it's a wonderful time just to teaching in God's Word to really, although Jordan Patricia taught this morning on a parable from Jeremiah, it's good just to really uh, maybe break down the scriptures and study the Word of God in a way in Sunday school that we would not maybe for the pulpit in a, in a worship service. And both are needed. The Bible talks about teaching and preaching. These gifts were given to the, to the body of Christ, it says in Ephesians. And so... Uh, pastors and teachers and evangelists. And so there's a need for both. There's a need for really teaching and there's a need for preaching. And uh, right now we're going to have a sermon of preaching, but in Sunday school, if you don't come, again, I encourage you to be there, uh, to come and you'll really be ministered to and blessed. I believe it will strengthen your faith and strengthen your knowledge of the Word of God. And uh, I know the Lord blessed it this morning. And last week, Buck taught on... Uh, the, this barren, uh, the, the being fruitful basically or unfruitful, this fig tree that it wasn't bearing fruit, and and it, the, the thought was that uh, the owner says, well, let me uh, let me cut that thing down. It's just covering the ground. It's just wasting good dirt basically. It doesn't bear fruit. It's a fruit tree, and the the, the farmer basically said, give me give me some more time, one more year. To, to dig around and prepare the dirt, fertilize it really good. If it doesn't bring forth fruit, then cut it down after that. If it does bring forth fruit, well, I, I got, got to thinking, and I believe the Lord laid upon my heart a, a word. It was a wonderful Sunday school lesson, by the way, but it laid upon my heart a word for this week and at least one more week, possibly two more, on being fruitful or unfruitful in Christ. It's a real simple thought, but I think it's very important that we, uh, that we take to heart that question, I'm talking about in Christ, am I fruitful or am I unfruitful? Am I like that barren tree that the Lord's saying, cut it down. I'm not saying he would take our salvation, I'm not saying that, but cut down, cut our life short. Going to call us home to be with him, we're not, we're not serving any real purpose. And so I want you to read with me, if you would, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read kind of a long passage from verses 5 through 11. And our key verse, if you're taking notes or want to highlight, is going to be verse 8. So 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11 right now. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if, the, if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's a mouthful. But the, the thought is, right off the bat, where he says, besides all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and a virtue knowledge. It goes through this, this progression. And 
And one of the things that we see in the Bible, one of the things that we see clearly taught in the scriptures is that it's a movement. It's a progression. Our walk with God is not just lost, saved. There is lost. We were lost one day. We got saved. We're born again. The Spirit of God. That has to be. You know, if a man's not born again, Jesus said in John 3, he's not going to see the kingdom of God. He's not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. Okay? But having been born again, some people think that's it now. They put their Christianity back on the back burner. They put their relationship with God on the back burner. There's no genuine pursuit in life. Uh, if you're in college or, or growing up, you know, in life, you have pursuits and goals and things you pursue after in life. And that our relationship with Christ above ought to be the pursuit above all of those things. There is to be a progression add. Besides this, giving all diligence add to your faith. And it gives this list of different virtues, right? All the way through love is the last one. Charity is how it ends. You add to your faith in Jesus Christ. Who does it? You do. And I do. We add to our faith. By the gifts that are given us in the Holy Ghost, by the grace of God and so forth. But I just want you to see very clearly, there's a movement. There's a progress. There is to be a progress in Christ from the day you got born again to, to where you are now. If you can genuinely look at yourself now, and probably you can remember, hopefully you can, the day that I got saved. Can you remember the day that you got saved? Where you're at the altar in the church, where your parents praying for you, was a friend praying for you. Uh, were you watching some TV preacher on, you know, and watching and praying with them? However you got born again, from that day till now, you think about that for just one moment. When I know, I thought I was saved then or whatever, but when you know you were saved, you genuinely gave your life to Christ. From that day till this day, whether that's been five days or 50 years, however long that's been, is there growth in your life? Not, not that we're perfect. You know, I kind of look at my life, the life of believers as one of these graphs, you know. It ought to be moving from here to here. Now, along the way, I'll have some dips and ups and downs and plateaus. Back, you know, drifted back away from the Lord here. Kind of put my Christianity on hold for a while here. But overall, I'm moving from there to there. Amen? And where I am now is not where I was when the day I got saved. It would be a shame. A crying shame, as they say, for my life to be no further along in Jesus than it was the day I got saved. No more Christ-likeness, no more fruitfulness, which is what we're talking about over the next few weeks. Do you see any? You have to examine your own life. Examine yourselves, Paul says in Second in First Corinthians, I believe, thirteen. Or, uh, examine yourselves whether or not you're in the faith. But we have, we're to move on, and we're to add to our faith virtue. There is to be a progress of that direction in Christ. Amen? Adding to our faith. We're going to be fruitful or unfruitful, and that's the question for the next few weeks. Fruitful in Christ or barren in Christ? Fruitful or unfruitful? So there's a, this progression that we are to bear fruit, and we're to bear much fruit. It's very clear in the scriptures. This is not some preacher just making things up. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures. But Peter here, who is, who is the audience that Peter is writing to? He's writing to believers. I want you to look at chapter 1, verse 1. We didn't read it, but let's read 2 Peter 1, 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who is he writing to? To them that have obtained, past tense, obtained, like precious faith with us. Through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
it can be no, there can be no mistaking it that he's not preaching the gospel to this audience that he's writing to. He's speaking to believers. So keep that in mind when we get down to verse 5, where it says, add to your faith virtue and the virtue, knowledge, and so forth. Uh, he's writing to believers, and it is an admonition to add, to move forward, not to subtract and not to stay even. Okay? Not to subtract and not to stay where we are. In mathematical terms, add to your faith. It's going to increase. And so a saved man is a saved man and a lost man or a woman is a lost man or a woman. And a saved person in Christ can either be fruitful or unfruitful. I want you to know that. The Bible teaches that. A saved person who is genuinely born again in the Spirit of God can be fruitful or can be unfruitful. Can be fruitful in Christ or barren in Christ. And they're still uh, saved. The Lord has no pleasure or glory in our unfruitfulness or barrenness. Okay? The fruit of our lives. What is the fruit of our lives? We know what the fruit of a pecan tree is. It's a pecan. We know what the fruit of an orange tree is. It's an orange. What is the fruit of a believer's life? Because that's what the Bible is talking about. And I'm not going to give every fruit. But the fruit of our lives is what is produced in us. And is evidenced through us by this new life in Christ. We didn't have it before we came to Jesus. We had fruits of unrighteousness. We had fruits of darkness. We had fruits of, of sin. We had fruits of the flesh. And the workings of the flesh and what it produced. Okay? We had that in our lives. We are in Christ now. If you are in Christ now, then you're in Christ now. And the fruit of that life is going to be the evidence of it that is produced by the Holy Ghost in us as we abide in the Lord and what comes back out of our lives to the glory of God. And what comes back out to the glory of God is going to be the fruit of the Spirit, which we know is listed in Galatians, but I believe it's more than that. I believe it's everything that Christ can do in a life and desires to do. I think it's Christ's likeness in every way. I think it is all that is produced and it's going to be in the life of a believer, is it going to be the fruit of, of the flesh? Is it going to be the fruit of, of wickedness? Or is it going to be the fruit of the Spirit? Because that's what we're admonished to, to produce in our lives. And what the Holy Ghost will produce as we abide in the Lord. I just want to read this from Luke chapter 6 real quickly. Jesus said, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. A good tree does not bring forth corrupt fruit. Does not, okay? Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit, for every tree is known by his his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. And so he's talking about the fruit of our lives, not the fruit of a grape. The, the point is the fruit of our lives. And and so that fruit that is to be produced in our lives, that it would be fruitfulness to God is to be the working of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And I want to live, and we're admonished to live, and want you to live, and I know you desire to, in such a way that our life brings forth fruit. So this is what Peter's admonishing the believers to. It's what Jesus admonishes people to. It is what Paul admonishes. It's what the Holy Ghost admonishes us to, is that our life will be fruitful. I want to talk about these words just for a moment. Look at verse 8 one more time. For if these things, this is the brotherly kindness and the patience of the goodness and love. If these things be in you, believer, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be 
barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The question not here, here is not salvation. The question here now is fruitfulness, okay? There, it's, it's those that have obtained like precious faith and those that have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing that you, you and I can be fruitful or barren and unfruitful or, or barren in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what it says. But if these things are in you and abound in you, they make it to where you will not be unfruitful or barren. So what is the word? The word unfruitful means just what you would think. It means without fruit, okay? But barren means actually a little different than what I pictured in my mind. Barren to me just, I think of desolate, like a land that's <coughs> barren, there's no trees, there's no, and that, that certainly goes with it. But barren here means inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, idle, slow. So in the knowledge, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in my personal knowledge of Christ, saving knowledge of Christ, as a believer, I can be barren in my knowledge of Christ to where I'm inactive, unemployed, talk about in the things of God, okay? Lazy, useless. You imagine a Christian being useless, but they're truly saved. They've trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, but their life and their knowledge of the Lord, there's no real walk, there's no real pursuit, there's no real fruitfulness to God. They're lazy, useless, idle, slow. Now a person that is in that state doesn't have to remain in that state. Hallelujah. This might be a wake-up call for, for me. It might be a wake-up call for you. But very clearly in the scripture, I just want to give an example so we get a picture. Land, a land can be barren and desolate, okay? God can make it blossom and grow. God can send rivers into the desert and make what was an unfruitful land fruitful, okay? And he can do that in a life. A woman, in the Bible at least, is, is, that was gone without, you know, with a husband and gone without marrying a child is called barren many times in the scriptures. But the Lord says this, he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. God can take that unbarren, I mean, a barren mother and make her bear fruit and have children. God can do that, okay? A born-again person can be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <coughs> we just read here. And God can make us to bear much fruit. Amen. We don't have to stay that way. And so we don't have to be barren and unfruitful. I'll just give you some other uh, terms for the Bible real quickly. A man's understanding can be unfruitful. Paul says, if I pray in an unknown language, my understanding is unfruitful. But then he talks later about the Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit can take the spiritual things and give you and I understanding so that our understanding is not fruitful. How many of you know that the gospel or God's words can be unfruitful? And we think, well, how is that possible? God's word is, is like a hammer. It's a, it's a power. Uh, it's the power of God unto salvation. God's word can be unfruitful based upon the one who hears it. Do you receive it by faith? The parable of the seed and the sower. There was, the word of God was quick and powerful in every one of those uh, four scenarios, the, the stony ground and, the, and the so forth, the different places where the, the, the fowls and the air gobbled it up and so forth. It fell among thorns 
and some fell on good ground, for the word was constant in all. And it's powerful, but God's word was unfruitful. I'll just read this from that parable. Jesus said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Well, that's God's word. How can it be? It doesn't return void. It accomplishes what God sends it forth to do. Yes, that is true. But he gives man a free will. There are people sitting in this room right now that may not be born again. And you're hearing the word of God. Is it going to bring forth fruit into repentance and salvation? Because that's God's design. That's God's purpose and his will. But it's going to depend on how it falls upon your ears and enters into your heart. The only one that's going to bring forth fruit is the one that falls on good ground where the heart believes. With the heart man believeth right unto righteousness. We believe with our hearts unto righteousness. We don't, and believer, we don't want God's word to be unfruitful in our hearts. To whom much is given, much is required. We hear the word of God. We hear it, we hear it. We can almost do now. I know where preachers going with this. You know, I know that passage. I probably know the next scripture he's going to read. What do we do? But do we heed it? Do we live it? Do we walk by it? I'm not trying to tell you something you never heard before. I'm trying to preach what God has given me to preach for our hearts and lives, what He has for us. So God's, we don't want God's word to be unfruitful, and it can be. Man's works can be unfruitful. I mentioned the unfruitful works of darkness. Titus says, uh, Paul says in Titus, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. And the last thing, again, our believer can be unfruitful in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about it just for a moment. None of us, just like what Buck taught last week, none of us would want to plant a, he and I always talk about planting a garden. We say, next, next house we're gonna, and I said, you're gonna have to take care of it because I'm too busy, you know. Uh, but we wanna plant this, we wanna plant tomatoes, we wanna do that, that. We always talk about it, we haven't done it, but if we do, we want to plant a fruit tree of some kind, and we want to have some kind of garden. And we would desire, just like you would, to have fruit from that. I'm not just planting a pine tree, you know, or an azalea bush, which is pretty. I'm planting a fruit tree, I want fruits, plums, or whatever it is that we would, we would plant. And God desires that, how much more? I mean, he gives us those kind of analogies and description of the Bible for a reason. What was taught about the barren fig tree? What's taught uh, in, in parables about uh, vineyards and vines and, and things like this? So we're going to talk about some of these things. But God's desire for your life is first to be saved. And God's desire for your life as a believer is that you bear much fruit. We have a lot to do with that. And we're going to talk about this. In one sense, it's all God. In one sense, he can't do it without us. And both are, are true and accurate. And we're going to look at this, but God desires for us to bear fruit. Our Savior who died for us and rose again and bore our sins on his own body on the tree and our sicknesses, that we might have the, the gift of eternal life and redeemed us to himself. He did not redeem us to be barren. He didn't redeem us just to bring us to heaven. Thank God we do go to heaven. He gave us the gift of eternal life. That's ours. It's the gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But he left us on this earth for a reason. And the reason he left us on this earth is to bear, to 
be a witness for Christ, to, to glorify Him on the earth through our Christ-likeness, through our words, through our speech, through our actions, through our character and nature, through our knowledge of Him, that that would not be unfruitful. That He wouldn't come back a year later and say, they're still useless to me. I love them. I died for them. Forgive them their sins. The Holy Spirit lives inside of them, but they're doing nothing with what I've given them. And what He's given us is everything. He's given us life. He's given us life. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. Amen. He's given us life, abundant, eternal, and free that we did not have before. He has set us free from the snares and the power of the enemy. He has set, he has set us free from the power of sin. Past that he has done that. He has filled us with his spirit. He has given us grace upon grace. He has given us the word of God. He's given us the body of Christ. He's renewed our minds. He's given us all these things and works through our lives. And he says, still can't use them. They're still barren. They're still useless. They're still idle. I saved them 15 years ago. I saved them 35 years ago. And he still is useless to me. It does not mean we're not loved. It does not mean we're not saved. It means we're unfruitful and barren in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. But if these things are in us and we add those things and abound in those things, they ensure that we won't be unfruitful or barren. But just the point making here is that, that God desires his people to bear fruit. It's absolutely his desire. There's no question about it. He didn't redeem us and pat us on the back and say, see you when you get to heaven. He's invested himself into our lives. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't you know, says in 1 Corinthians 6, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirits, which are God's, or which belong to God. Therefore, because your body is the temple. If you're not saved, your body's not the temple of the Holy Spirit. I pray you get saved today. You can. He wants you to. Give your life to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd love to pray with you to give your life to the Lord. But if you are saved, then glorify. We are to glorify God. And how is God glorified? Here it is my Father glorified, Jesus said in John 15, that you bear my fruit. We're not just pulling things out of that field. This is a a very evident doctrine in the Word of God. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Again, the Lord did not call us simply to be converts, nor did He call us to make converts of men. He has called us to make disciples of men. You are my disciples if you do whatsoever I command you, and so forth. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He wants followers, learners, not just converts who convert to Christianity. You have to be converted. Amen? We have to be converted and born of the Spirit of God. But then what, what now? If I am a fig tree, I'm to bear figs. And if I'm a Christian, I'm to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And has my Father glorified through my life, and He wants to be, that we bear much fruit. Not little, not little bit or none. It doesn't glorify the Lord. And we're not comparing each other to each other to say who bears more, you know, Chris or Maria, which one bears more fruit. It's not our job to, to examine in that sense. We examine our own lives. We'll know each other by our fruits, that we belong to Christ, and fruit has seasons, and I know it takes time to bear fruit, but one good thing about the, bearing the fruit of Christ is it can be all time. It doesn't just have to be in the fall. You know, when the satsumas come out in the fall, 
uh, our Christianity can bloom and bear fruit all the time. And so it, it glorifies the Lord. Unfruitfulness does not glorify the Lord. Fruitfulness also gives evidence that we belong to the Lord. It glorifies God, but it gives evidence that we belong to Christ and, and we're the ones who are blessed by it. God is glorified by it, but what do you think is more a blessing for your life? A life that is unfruitful and barren in Christ or one that is fruitful in Christ? Just you personally. What do you think is going to be more joyful and fulfilling and happy and satisfying in your life? One that is unfruitful in Christ, but you're a Christian, or one that's fruitful and bears much fruit? Well, I think we all know uh, very clearly that's going to be the one that's fruitful. Paul says, not because I desire a gift, he wrote to the Philippian church, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. In other words, I want you to be fruitful for your sakes, too. I want you to be fruitful because love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or souls being one. Whatever it is, the fruit of that life is glorifying to God, but it's a blessing to you. It's a blessing to you. I lived an unfruitful Christian life when I was last year in high school and about four years at LSU. I lived an unfruitful Christian life. I believe I was saved. Maybe... Uh, people would debate that if they'd have known me, and I, I wouldn't argue because my life had no fruit, no evidence. I had a conviction of the Holy Spirit. I believe I'd given my life to Jesus, but I was not bearing any fruit. I was useless, spiritually speaking, lazy, idle, inactive. All those words for barren, right? Uh, useless, unemployed in the things of Christ. For five years, never told one person about Jesus. For five years, never taught the Word of God. For five years, never went on a mission trip. For five years of my Christianity, never did anything Christian. I went to church sometimes. But it was idle. I wonder if the Lord was saying, why is, it, why is Randy Cumber in the ground? I wonder if I should, I should just chop him down. He's safe. He's fine. I'll bring him on home to be with me because he's not bringing any glory to me. In fact, he's bringing shame to me because at the right moments he'll claim my name and tell people he belongs to me. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That's not what we're talking about. Here. We're talking about being useful and joyful and active in serving God. I wonder if the Lord was saying, you know, Randy's in. I, I just thank God for his patience, is all I can say. Because I was that. I was useless. If you'd have known me and seen me in church, you might have thought I was a Christian. If you'd known me and seen me at the fraternity house, you wouldn't have thought I was a Christian. And most of the other times of the day. I repented. God helped me. God was patient with me. God brought me out, and I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't have that desire. I have a desire to call after God. Have I perfectly since that day? No. Do I have that desire? Is it new? Is it fervent? Is it strong to pursue after God? Yes, it is. That's the direction I'm going. And I want there to be fruit and evidence that that's the direction that I'm going. And I want God to be glorified through my life, not pondering if he's going to cut me down and bring me on to heaven because I'm useless. It gives evidence. Fruitfulness gives evidence to God's grace, God's gracious work in our lives and dealings 
with our lives. Amen. We are what we are by the grace of God. But which are we? Are fruitful or unfruitful? What are we? What are you minded to? Remember the last, not last week, but two weeks before we talked about being spiritually minded or humbly minded. And it's not just our mental capacity. Mindedness has to do with uh, setting your heart or your affections in a direction. What, what direction are you setting? Are you absolutely determined? Not that you're perfect, but are you determined, I want to live for God? Are you just kind of on the fence? I'm not sure if I want to live for God. That, that's mindedness. Spiritually minded, I'm going to mind the things of the Spirit. I will set my affections on the things of God. doesn't mean that I will be perfect and never sin again. It means that is the direction I'm going. Consciously, I've made that choice. I'm going this way. I'm walking with God. I see the benefit of it. I see the truth of it. I see that that's God, my Savior's will for my life. And I'm not on the fence. I'm going this way. That's mindedness. We can be spiritually minded or carnally minded. Well, are we minded to bear fruit? Are we, are we going to be minded to be lazy, inactive, idle, slow? And am I living, this is what we're going to talk about the rest of today. Am I living in Christ? Again, in Christ as a Christian in such a way that I will be fruitful. Because it's not a secret. Might, sometimes we think everything in the word, word of God is so mysterious and we need someone to decipher it for us. You know, some prophet, some mystic, some real special pastor or teacher who's got the inside scoop. The Bible tells us how to be fruitful in Christ in many places. We're going to look at a few scriptures today. But have I set myself to where I want to be fruitful and therefore glorify God? And we're going to look at this. I said earlier, in one sense, in one sense, it's all God, and in one sense, as I said, He can't do without us. It's just like salvation. Salvation is of the Lord, right? There's not one person here or anywhere that ever saved themselves from their sin. There's not one person that ever lived that gave themselves the gift of eternal life. There's not one person in this room that ever washed their sins away with, uh, in their own blood, or the blood of some animal. Salvation is of the Lord. He's the Savior of the world. He can't save an unbeliever that wants to stay in their unbelief and die in their unbelief. He can't save a person that, that chooses not to believe, right? He can't save a person who refuses to repent. He can't save a person that refuses to give their life to Jesus. And yet salvation is of the Lord. It's all God. We don't save ourselves. There is something we have to do, though. We have to believe. The Philippian jailer said, what shall I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe, I have to believe, I have to believe. If I don't believe, I'm not saved, even though salvation is of the Lord. So let's move on to Christians now. What is it that I have to do as a Christian? Well, the Bible talks about a lot of things that I have to do. But I'll say this, the power to do every single thing he tells us to do comes from the one who saved us. The power to do every single thing he tells us to do in his word comes from, from the Lord himself who has saved us and lives in us. Amen? And so, in one sense, we have to make a deliberate decision. Just like to give my life to Christ. I don't just kind of osmosis go from being lost to being saved. It's kind of through some vague uh, process of seeping in to Christ. It doesn't happen. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Joshua said in the Old Testament, uh, repent and believe the gospel is what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, what should we do? Repent and believe the gospel. 
The Bible says now is the time of salvation. It's a very conscious, deliberate decision. Do you know everything at that moment? Spiritually, no. You know the gospel. You know enough to believe I'm a sinner and he's the savior. He died and rose again. His name is Jesus. He's God's only son. And we give our life to Christ. And then he teaches us and we grow and mature from there. But it's a very deliberate, conscious decision. I want to, I want to read this from Matthew 12. Jesus said, and the Lord is telling people this, either make the tree good. That's interesting. He says make it. Either you make the tree good and it's fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and it's fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. That would be fruit. An evil, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. I just thought it was interesting how the Lord said, he's talking to a group of people and said, Now look, make the tree good and the fruit good, or make it corrupt and the fruit corrupt. There is something that we have to do. I do have to, if I'm going to bear fruit and be fruitful, there has to be a conscious choice on my part to say, God, I want to go on with you. I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. I have, we can't just think we're going to wake up and, and everything's just going to turn out that way. Just because I gave my life to Jesus. Yes, he's working us to will and to do his good pleasure. But if I am walking in disobedience, if I just turn back to a dog like returning to his vomit, the Bible says, if I just turn back to my flesh, if I just turn back to old worldly pursuits like when I was in college and old worldly friends and think I'm going to bear fruit, it's not going to happen that way. doesn't mean I'm not saved. It means I'm not going to be fruitful in Christ. There has to be a conscious choice on my part, and the Lord even gives me the faith to make the right choice. Hallelujah. He even gives me the will to do the will of God. But I have to resign my will to do his will. In other words, if God's saying, Randy, do this, I can't rebel and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I need to say, Lord, whatever you will for my life, I yield my will to do it. You'll have to strengthen me to do it, strengthen me to do it. But there is a conscious choice on my part to say, yes, I yield. Doesn't the Bible talk about yielding to the Lord? Doesn't the Bible talk about submitting to, the, to God? It talks about these things. And we think they're so, such passive words, but it really does take something on my part to yield to God as, a, as opposed to just steamrolling ahead the direction I'm going. What if God's saying, slow down, wait, you're going the wrong direction. I'm just bulldozing ahead. I need to stop and yield and consider and say, Lord, forgive me. I was doing my own thing. Forgive me, I yield to your will. He takes me in a whole different direction that is so much better. Hallelujah. I do have to yield. He doesn't usurp that will of mine. If he usurp men's will, then everybody would be saved and go to heaven, right? But everybody's not going to be saved and go to heaven. And everybody, sadly enough, every believer is not going to bear the amount of fruit that we should. If he could just usurp our will and plug his in, regardless of what we want, then we'd all be saved and we'd all be perfectly like Christ. Because that is his will, even our sanctification, right? But we're not all saved. Everybody's not saved, and every believer is not fully walking like we could or should. We have to yield to His will. We still have a will, even as a, a Christian, 
we have a will. So in one sense, it takes a conscious choice, conscious choice on our part to be uh, fruitful in Christ. And the other, you know what is so simple? It's, we're told just to abide in Christ. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Just abide in Christ. And the focus, and I believe that both are necessary, both are biblical, okay? But the focus, I think, without question, has to be upon Christ. The individual believer focusing upon Christ. We give the kind of silly picture all the time. You don't see an orange tree sweating like he's at a workout, you know, trying to bench 300 pounds or 500 pounds or something, trying to make a, an orange pop out. The orange tree doesn't do that. The pecan tree doesn't do that. The tomato plant doesn't do that. It's not stressing and grunt, grunting and throwing a fit, you know, uh, to try to get one more tomato to pop out. It is abiding in the ground. It's abiding. The focus has to be upon the Lord and abiding in Him. So that's where our thoughts and our focus are primarily. It's upon Christ and staying and abiding in Christ. Turn with me to John 15. If there was one chapter, there was the famous chapter that explains this so perfectly. It is Jesus speaking in John chapter 15. For, for right now, this morning, we're just going to read verses 4 and 5. John 15, 4. Abide in me and hide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And we get the, we get the picture. Here's a grapevine growing uh, from a great plant that's planted in the ground. And you cut that great branch off and just carry the branch off. It still might have fruit on it if it's the time for fruit. And for all intents and purposes, right then and there it looks alive and fresh and everything. But it doesn't take long to show hey, that thing's dead. That thing's not plugged in anymore, okay? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. Uh, it doesn't say it'd be difficult to bear fruit if you're not abiding in me. It says you cannot. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do very little. That's not what it says. Without me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing without abiding in Christ. And so we make the conscious choice as God reveals by His Spirit and His Word. You give your life to Christ. We give our life to Christ. Uh, we will. We turn over our will to God. He says to the believer now, take up your cross, deny yourself, and come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. Abide in me. Continue in my love. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Pray without ceasing. What am I saying? I'm saying a lot of things that God's word says for the believer now. And if I choose not to do those things, I'm going to be unfruitful and barren in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. If I abide in Christ, he is going to see to it that I bear much fruit. I'm going to have to make an effort to bear fruit. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't put your focus on my effort, 
We have to abide that we're to be not occupied with ourselves, but occupied with Jesus and abiding in Him. Amen. Loving Him, staying in Him, walking in Him. So look down a few verses further in John 15 to verse 9 and 10. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Well, that's a blessing right there. Amen. Continue ye in my love. And you say, I want to continue in the love of God. Right? What does he say about that? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. People don't want to hear that. They think you're speaking, you're speaking of a works-based gospel and, and salvation and uh, working it out in the flesh and all these times. It's just what the Word of God says. I want you to continue in my love. And you say, I want to continue in your love. No love like it. And then he says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Am I, am I preaching ritualistic, legalistic Christianity? No, I'm preaching Christianity. Just what the Bible says. I want to abide in Christ, walk in, in obedience to the Lord. Walk in prayer. If I want to continue in the love of God, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to continue in the love of God? He says, keep my commandments. They're a blessing. They're not grievous, he says in 1 John. His commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. If I know Jesus and walk with the Lord and fill with the Holy Ghost and empower by the Holy Ghost to obey the Lord from there is not grievous or burdensome. It's a joy. And that's assurance that I'm abiding in Christ and abiding in His love. And that is assurance that my life's going to bear much fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He will make sure that that is produced in me. Amen. He will make sure. I'll give you an example just real quickly. Let's say, uh, let's say that I know this in my life because the Lord convicts me. I'm going to bring this to a close. The Lord convicts me. Randy, you're not being gentle. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? All one fruit, you say, with different, you know, <laughs> facets to it. Agreed. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, there is no law. Let's say that I'm not being gentle and the Lord convicts me and says, you're not being gentle at all with your wife. You're not being gentle at all with your children. Uh, you're not being gentle. And I say, you're right, Lord. My, my focus, I don't believe, should be, you know what, I need to, I need to go out and take a course on gentleness and read some books on gentleness, how-to books on how to be gentle. What I need to do is abide in Christ. What I need to do, because evidently I would say, Lord, I thought I was pretty far along in my Christian maturity. And I thought I was abiding in Christ, but if I was abiding in Christ, I wouldn't have said the things I just said to my wife or my children. I wouldn't be as harsh. So at least at that moment, I wasn't abiding in Christ. Would you agree? <coughs> and I would agree with that as the one he's, convict he's convicting. And I say, God, forgive me. Now, what's the solution? Yes, I'm forgiven, but now I'm going to be fruitful, right? I'm going to be fruitful, and I want the fruit of gentleness in my life. The answer is to abide in Christ and say, Lord, help me. I, I didn't realize where I had drifted. Someplace along the way, I got into my flesh instead of in Christ. Still his child, still in Christ, but in my behavior, my thinking, uh, I got into myself. And those words came out of me that were harsh. You weren't saying those words and you weren't thinking those thoughts. That was me. So I wasn't abiding in the mind. Uh, and, and so 
then the answer is to, to, to get our focus back on the Lord, to get our focus back on the Lord, amen, and, and to, to trust in Him. Look at verse, well, I'm going to read one more passage, y'all. If you turn with me back to 2 Peter where we started. 2 Peter chapter 1. The seeking is not so much seeking to bear fruit. The seeking is seeking Christ. The divide, divide of the Lord. In prayer, as I said, in the word. In, in meditation in our hearts. And when God convicts us of something we're not bearing fruit, it's because we're not abiding. We own up to it. We say, God, forgive me of X, Y, Z. Forgive me of this. And help me. And help me to abide in you, Jesus. And, and not to try to do it on my own. Back up in 2 Peter chapter 1, prior to what we read, when we opened, I want you to read verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us, again, this is believers, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given, given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by the, these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this, giving all diligence, and then that's what we read, to open with. So one of the two times in verses 3 and 4, he talks about what's given to the believer. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And it says in verse 4, he's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. What has he given us? He's given us everything. He, he's not called us to do anything that is beyond us. It's way beyond the unbeliever. They couldn't even attempt it. But it's not way beyond the life of a believer because we're plugged into the vine. We're branch grafted in the vine. We get our strength, our wisdom, our nourishment, the power of the Holy Ghost, the supply of the Spirit from the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness according to our knowledge of him who has called us, amen, to glory and virtue. And so, if these things be in you, we'll, we'll close with verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you, you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen that these things are to abide in us if, as we abide in Christ that we're not barren, that we're not unfruitful, that we're not lazy, that we're not idle. And so, y'all, we're, we're not just saved, as I said, to an end. In other words, we're saved to go to heaven one day. We are. But we're also saved to a pursuit and a direction. We're saved to go that way until I get to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saved to go all these different directions apart from Christ and I'm not going to heaven. I'm saved to go to heaven and I'm saved to walk as though I've already lived there practically. You know what I mean? That I've been made to sit together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I'm pursuing after that. And, and that's, that, I'm going to have to abide in Christ to do that. I'll close with this. The altar's open. We're not going to have music at the altar today. The altar is open, but I'm going to close with two scriptures. Ye have not chosen me, Jesus said in John 15, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain 
that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. God has chosen us in Christ as believers and ordained that we should bring forth fruit and that our fruit should remain. It's not a question. It's not for some believers and not for others. It's for the glory of God that his people bear fruit. So just the question is this morning for you, fruitful or unfruitful? Fruitful in Christ or, or barren? Useless and idle in Christ or bearing much fruit for the glory of God? That's where we are. The altar's open. And we're going we're gonna to just take some time to spend with the Lord. Jesus said in the, in the parable of the, the, the seed, sowing the seed, he says, But on that good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. We hear God's word, we keep it. There's no secret. It's just right out here in the open. Anybody can pick up their Bible and read it. He wants us to bear fruit. He empowers us to bear fruit. He shows us how to bear fruit. By abiding in Christ, amen. By walking in his ways. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. God, I know this morning was a little different, Lord, with so many people out, music and all that. But Lord, in one sense, it's no different. We're your people. We're gathered here in your name. We're calling upon our living God and Savior. We're studying your holy word. And Father, we come under the authority of Christ. We come under the authority of the word of God. And we say this morning, Lord God, forgive me. Forgive me for the times in my life, seasons of my life. Maybe there's someone here right now in this way where our Christianity is unfruitful and it's barren. Our knowledge of Jesus Christ and what's produced from that knowledge is lazy, useless, idle, slow. God, forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive me, God, for thinking of something I'm not. Forgive me for thinking, oh, I'm, I'm perfectly abiding in Christ, and then I'll have words come out of my mouth that are harsh. That's so fruitful. And I pray that you would forgive me of this sin, but Lord, I also pray that you would strengthen me and help me to abide in Christ. And bear much fruit for the glory of God. I pray you help your people here today that are truly saved. To take account of their own lives, God. Fruitful or unfruitful. Fruitful or barren. Barrenness brings you no glory and honor. It sure is not going to make us happy either. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to be fruitful as a church body. Help us to be fruitful individuals as believers, God. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you can help us. Thank you, God, that you can totally change the course and direction of our lives, God. We might have sinned or backslid or been useless or idle for years. And in one moment, you can take us and set us on that right path if we'll turn our lives over to you, if we will to do your will, God, in our lives. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that they would let me know or let another believer know and they would pray to give their life to Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen.